told that everything's going to be okay, just keep going with what you're doing, it's all going to be good. Then we move over into the wise men, shepherds. Uh, it's all about Joseph taking the family to Egypt, coming back and all these things. So very male, I guess, dominated, whether that's just the times of the writers or, or whatever, I don't know, but that's what we've got. The interesting thing um, in Luke's, Luke's genealogy, he goes from Jesus all the way back to Adam. And it's all male as well. And I think that's part of the, you know, you were, you were known by your father, not by your mother. Probably in those places, those countries, perhaps that's still the same today. But the interesting thing, that, that, that Luke's gospel makes it even more interesting, that in Matthew's chapter 1, there are five women in the genealogy of Jesus Christ. I think I counted them right. Fine women, I'm sure they're fine, upstanding women in the society, wouldn't you think? In the lineage of Jesus, they'd have to be. The Son of God. The Son of God who knew no sin. The royal bloodline. Top shelf stuff for those Australians. Top shelf, I'll have to translate for those who may not know, is really good stuff. If I was choosing a bloodline... That's what I'd be looking for, the best of the best, wouldn't you? I mean, they do it for racehorses, don't they? And I mean, Rod, you're not putting that horse in that paddock with my mare, mate. Get out of here. I want something better than that. They want to keep the bloodlines pure and good. Well, there was one in royalty, I guess, in the, in the, in the line. But uh, the others, well, all of them really... I'm not real sure whether they come under the category of ladies or um, upstanding people in society. Let's have a look at them. And uh, Judah begot Perez and Sarah by Tamar. Now in Genesis 38, we read... If I turn it on, it might move. Maybe. Maybe not. No? Is that me? Okay, good. <laughs> Tamar. She was a bit uh, sneaky. She got back at her father-in-law... She was married to Judah, who you might recognise as, you know, one of the, probably the, you know, he's in the bloodline, he's doing pretty good. Married uh, one of his uh, sons. He died. Uh, actually, I think God killed him because he was evil. She married one of the other, other sons. He did the wrong thing, so God did away with him. So Judah said, look, you go back to your to your family, stay there until my youngest boy grows up and then you can uh, marry him and we'll continue the family line on because that's what they do. That's good. She waited and waited and waited and it never happened. One day Judah's heading off over to this side of the country. Tamar sits on the side of the road acting like a prostitute. They sleep together. She gets pregnant and uh, that's in the royal bloodline. Sheesh. 
Sheesh, I'm not sure whether that... I, would, I don't think I would have put that in there. I, kept, I wouldn't have written about it at any rate. Salmon or Salmon begot Boaz by Rahab. There's another fine upstanding lady. Who's heard of Rahab? Have you heard of Jericho? She used to live in a place called Jericho. She was probably the nicest way to put it would be a lady who works at night time. Most of the Bible scholars agree on that. She helped a couple of spies. But she's named in the bloodline. Somewhere down the road she married into... into she, she, she followed the God of the Israelites. Oh, but goodness me, she was a Gentile. How can we have a Gentile in the bloodline? Really? Think about it. That probably doesn't mean much to us because none of us are Jews, I don't think. But to a Jew, that is disgusting to have a Gentile in the bloodline. Who we got next? Ruth. Now, I'll give it to Ruth. She is respectable. Good story, Ruth. If you get the four chapters, it won't take you long. You can read it while I'm talking. <laughs> Not on your phones because I'll think you're texting. Ruth, a great little lady. She was faithful to her mother and mother-in-law, sorry. And I won't go through the whole story, but um, she did really well. She was good. But my goodness, she was a Gentile. That's two. That's two out of three. That's not good. That's nearly a strikeout. We have two Gentiles, two dubious women... And then what have we got? The next one. David the king begot Solomon by her who had been the wife of Uriah. They won't even say a name. What sort of a woman was she? Well, actually, she was royalty. She was Queen Bathsheba. Now, how she got tangled up, how much she was really into it, or whether king says in those days, you know, you will come and... Let's do it and we'll, we'll do it that way, whatever. But there was lots of things going on there that I wouldn't have in my bloodline. Royal skullduggery, I call it. Then we go down to verse 16. And Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary. And Mary was mother of Jesus, who is called the Messiah. By all accounts, and they're pretty brief, there's not much in there about Mary, but she was probably a good Jewish girl. Till she had an encounter with God. Now it's all very good to us in the book of Matthew, but I think back about 2,000 years ago, it wouldn't have been real good for her. She's been mucking around behind Joseph's back and she's pregnant. Not good. Five ladies. Five women, I correct myself. Harlots, deceivers, royal controversy, adultery, promiscuous lifestyle to say the least. And the worst, the worst of all, some were Gentiles, not even Jews. And yet here they are. They're in the book. God's put them in there. Five of them. Obviously Luke couldn't come to it. He couldn't, he couldn't do it. How could this be? We're talking about God's Son, the Saviour of the world, the one who is the cornerstone of our faith, his relatives. 
throughout the Bible, though, there are many that God has used that I'm sure you, like me, would certainly not have chosen. We could go to chapter 2 of Matthew. God brings a number of wise men from the east, and I'm pretty sure they wouldn't be Jews. And they would be the sort of people that today we would probably call, um, what do we call that? Not Eastern religion, the um, oh, New Age. You know, they looked at the stars and all this, and they recognised this king was going to be born. So they come to recognise and honour the king. But they were Gentiles. And if that's not bad enough, God next decides that, hey, how about we get the shepherds to come down from out of the hills? The scum of the nation to come and worship my son, the saviour of the world. Really? And he's running the universe. My goodness. I wouldn't have done it. So what can we get from this? What is God saying to us? Is God showing us something here this morning? Well, I think he is, and I'm going to try and convince or tell you people what I think he's trying to show us. And the first thing is, what is it? Thank you, James. Does that mean the rest of them are judgmental, or is it just, oh, I better keep going because they need to hear this point. Now, you might be, <laughs> were you being judgmental then? Do not be judgmental. Watch our prejudices. And I wonder if these women were in the back of the Apostle Peter's mind when he said in Acts 10.34, I now realise how true it is that God does not show favouritism. Obviously he doesn't show favouritism. Have a look at Matthew number 1. He probably wasn't thinking about them. He was probably thinking about the Gentiles he'd just been to speak to and shared the gospel with and they got saved. But he's nailed it on the head. He's hit it right. God can and does use whoever he likes to fulfil his purposes and plans. So be careful how you judge others. Luke chapter 6. And it's similar in Mark 7, but we'll look at Luke chapter 6, verses 37 to 42. Judge not, and you shall not be judged. Condemn not, and you shall not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. What a great offering message. But where is it? not talking about money it's talking about how we judge each other how I judge you Cheryl is hopefully how you judge me back so that should make us think it goes on talking about pulling a speck out of your own eye and a log out no out of your brother's eye you've got a log in in other words it's saying you know are you all that good that you can be judging them like that 
Someone once said to me that you should not judge, and their thinking was that Christians aren't allowed to judge in any capacity. Wrong. That's not quite right. We have to make judgments every day, don't we? Of situations that come against us, you know, do we go this way? We've got to make choices. We have to make godly choices. We've got to use godly judgment. Sometimes there are people that we have to make a judgment that puts them over. We have to put them over there for a time, a season maybe. But Luke and Matthew in this passage are talking about his self-righteous hypocritical judgments. In Matthew 23, Jesus lets rip at the Sadducees, the Pharisees and the whoever sees and the word that keeps popping up is hypocrite because uh, I think one, one verse is about you like whitewashed tombs, you're all nice and clean on the outside but on the inside you're just full of bones and yet you're bringing judgment on all the people. Father, I thank you that I'm a pastor. I thank you that I'm closer to you than most of the people in this room because I am a pastor. So good to be able to just spend time with you and, you know, walk around the streets and Pastor Mal, yeah, that's good. Father, I'm so glad I'm not like Dale. (laughs) I mean, Father, you can use me because I'm so close to you because I'm a pastor. But that guy, Dale, I mean, he only mows lawns, Father. I mean, really? How can you use someone who would mow lawns when I'm a pastor? And Lord, probably don't need to remind you, but he's a Victorian. I mean, we might not understand Gentile and Jew, but we understand Victorian and Queensland. He's a Victorian. What? I just can't see that you would use him in your kingdom, Lord. But I thank you that you can use me. Amen. If I was like that, I would miss that Dale is a very faithful young man. He's one of those guys that, hey Dale, can you, he doesn't know, do you know how to say no, Dale? No. (laughs) Yeah, you do. (laughs) But see, I could be like that because you only mow lawns, Dale. I can't really see God using you, I'm sorry, but Maybe to keep lawns nice. But in Matthew 3, oh, hang on, we'll go back. I've got it up there already. In Matthew 3, John the Baptist is down in the Jordan River. He's baptizing people, they're coming to repent. Wendy, hey, how you doing? Anyone else here that's just popped in for the day that I haven't recognized yet? He's down at the river and uh, some Sadducees and Pharisees have decided to come down and join in the crowd. Now, John points the finger, I reckon, 
we have a picture at home, one of our wedding photos. And I'm standing beside Sandy, and I think it was a picture with your family, I think it was. And my mother-in-law, she's the best. No mother-in-law jokes about my mum-in-law. She's a champion. But she's like this. <laughs> and I am so glad that I was standing here. Because I wouldn't want to have been on the end of that look and that finger. And I think that's the look that John the Baptist was pointing at these Sadducees and Pharisees when he says, when John realised that a lot of Pharisees and Sadducees were showing up for a baptismal experience because it was becoming the popular thing to do, this is the Message Bible, he exploded. Brood of snakes, what do you think you're doing in slithering down here to the river? Don't you like it? Do you think a little water on your snake skins is going to make any difference? Whoa, he's hot, isn't he? It's your life that must change, not your skin. And don't think you can pull rank by claiming Abraham as father. Being a descendant of Abraham is neither here nor there. Can you imagine telling a Jew that? Whoa. Then call him a Gentile just to help him off. <laughs> Descendants of Abraham are a dime a dozen. They're everywhere. What counts is your life? Is it green and blossoming? Because if it's dead wood, it goes on the fire. Therefore, bear fruits worthy of repentance. Oh, how would you feel? Man, they're like your mother-in-law pointing at you. What are fruits of repentance? Acceptance, understanding, forgiving, showing kindness to others no matter where they are from or what their background is. Who are we to judge a person and decide whether or not God can use them? In October 2010, I had the privilege of doing the wedding of a mate of mine that I hadn't seen since about maybe 1990, Stephen, Jan. We were in the army together. We'd been great mates and we lost contact. And Easter that year, I got this phone call and he said, Hey, Cuzzy, that's what I used to be called. Yeah, because you always get a bit nervous when a voice from the background rings you on the phone. And uh, he somehow got my number or whatever, and, and a bit later on he said, oh, we, we're getting, we want to get married, would you do it? Mate, I'd love to. So they came up here, and uh, as we started the wedding, I said, who'd have thought in the early 80s we'd be doing this? Because I'm pretty sure in sort of 1980s, well, probably from the late 70s through to the 83, I think it was. I'll just stand here. I won't move. Um. Okay, if I talk like this, will it be okay? How are we going? I doubt whether too many church people would have thought that that guy would be a pastor in a church one day. Is that going to keep doing that? Seems to be. That will swap over. Hello? Yep, we're still here. Well, that was hurting my ear anyway. Ooh. 
So you just don't know, do you? Don't allow our past, which determines our insecurities. Do you realise that? Your past determines who you are. Don't allow our past, which determines our insecurities, to stop us being used of God. Does that make good English? I'm not really sure if it is. But anyway, you get the point. See, I have a... I get awkward around professional people, especially when I go to conferences and you've got all these guys and they're so dynamic and they're wonderful and, you know, these guys at the front and they're, you know, they're running 10 churches of 30,000 in their church, each church and... They write 15 books a year and they go on the radio and television and they're, they're running this for this group in the city and they're doing that for that. And I just slide down in the chair and go, oh, God, really? Let me out of here. And then on the odd times when I'm on a conference or something like that, I, I get up the courage to speak to some guy. Yeah, you guessed it. He's doing everything. He's just so marvellous. And I sit there going, oh, God, please don't let him ask me what I do. Please, please, please don't let him ask me. I think psychiatrists and those people call it inferiority or something like that. I don't know. But, but I get really uncomfortable. So a couple of weeks ago, James, Michelle and I went to a professional development um, thing, course. And uh, one of the guys... Uh, when we got back, Sandy said, oh, how, how was it? What did you do? I said, I spoke to that guy. Remember the, the, the course I did a few years ago? I, I spoke to that guy. And she said, oh, that's nice. She didn't realise the enormity of what I just said. Truly. See, I did this course. must have been 2013. It was a two, three-day course or something. Pretty full on. And uh, I sort of come away... From this guy thinking, mate, he's, and he's amazing. He's just champion what they're doing in their church and that. And a bit slightly overawed. So from then on when I've been to conferences and I'm walking this way and there's Mark. Oh. <laughs> you know, little me, big him, uncomfortable. And I didn't really mean to use his name. I, I don't like this going, going worldwide because anyone can listen to me. I get nervous on that now in case he decides to listen to Port City, I'll be embarrassed. <laughs> but, you know, he's a dynamic man of God. He's a great man of God. He's a great man in our, in our Queensland and Australian movement. Uh, he was a, uh, previously to being a pastor, he was a lawyer, so he's very articulated in the way he speaks. He's one of the best speakers I've listened to. He's really great the way he, he brings across a message. Um, I think it was last year he got the Order of Australia medal. You know, whoa, you know, I don't think I've got a medal. In 2013, about two weeks after the course I did at his church, we got the news he'd had a heart attack. I was like, you're kidding me. This guy is like super fit. You know, he runs from Ipswich to Brisbane, you know, just for something to do, you know. And he eats all the right stuff. You know, you don't see him eating what I eat. He, you know, he's got his life disciplined and he's, you know, he, if someone's got it together, he's pretty close. And he teaches on that. That's how good, so, you know, he's sort of, he's doing well. And uh, 
So he's, he's died in 2013 a couple of times and revived, obviously. And uh, because he was so fit, that's what kept him alive. So there's something for you. So that's 2013. April this year, he runs the Paris Marathon. 13, 14, 15, 16. Three years after dying. That's a, that's a bit of a feat, isn't it? Three years after you're dead, you run a marathon. At his course, he would bring people in to speak to us from his church and the professionalism in his church, the, you know, the whatevers, the, the psycho- psychologists, whatever they are, you know, this person is a something in that. And look, his, the auditorium was quite high. I think it would be probably at least half as high again as our highest point in, over the stage area. They have a guy in the church who is a professional abseiler. A professional abseiler in their church. They do. So he does all the sets and everything. You've got to be kidding me. So you see what I'm up against? No wonder I'm nervous. Do we have any abseilers? I didn't want to miss any out in case we. My goodness. So you can see what I'm dealing with. So anyway, on this course we did the other week, I come into the lecture room and he was getting some stuff ready for his thing and I'm sitting there and I'm the only one in the room. That's awkward. And my brain's going, for goodness sake, mate, just go up and talk to him. And I gave in. And I went up and had a chat. Oh, my goodness, why did I do that? <laughs> why on earth did I think I could go and talk to that guy? Really? You've seen the movies where the little guy goes up to the big guy and just makes a whole mess of it. You know, the little guy, the lady's a stunner. He goes up and... <laughs> oh, man, why did I even think that I could talk to this guy? No, not really. <laughs> it was pretty normal. Had a bit of a chat. Asked him about how he was going and what he was doing and yada, yada. Lunchtime was a group of guys and we have lunch together with him and that sort of thing. That was all right. But, you see, that was monumental for me. For Sandy, it was just someone I went and had to talk to. That's since 2013 I've been like that with this guy. Honestly, I avoid him in conferences because I think I'm down here and he's up there. Don't allow your past, which determines our insecurities, to stop us being used of God. This is what I want to encourage you with this morning. You see, when I've had these moments, I've been to these conferences, there's generally a conversation for a little while after with God. And I'm thinking, oh God, I can never do that. I can never be like them. You know, I just come back here to Gladstone and I... Offside for James and I think I do a reasonably good job. Don't please say yes. <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> oh, I've still got the ten dollars I owe you from last time you said that. <laughs> and I think and um so I you know chew over all these things and the, then the God's wonderful. He sits and waits and listens. Anyone else is am I the only one? Oh that's all right then, that's okay. I, this is going all around the world. I'm sure someone's like me. 
And you ever notice that God generally doesn't have too many words? Oh, that's my experience. He just says things like, have I asked you to be like that? No. Have I asked you to do that? No. End of conversation. No more further correspondence will be entered into. God hasn't asked me to be like any of those people. He doesn't want me to be like the the pastor that's got an Australia order thingy. That's his, that's what he does. See, I could let that stop me from doing my job here in Gladstone, where God has called me to. What excuses are we using to stop God from using us? Is God knocking at your door this morning? I don't know what I'm up to with this thing. I've done that one, haven't I? No, I haven't. Where am I? Oh, okay. We'll stay there. Is God knocking at your door this morning? He knocked at Joseph's door. Oh, but I'm a slave and an ex-con. How could I ever lead, be second in Egypt? No. Gideon, I'm the least of the least. I'm so low down, people walk over the top of me. Peter, I'm just a fisherman. You know, I just fish around the Sea of Galilee. How could I change the world? Paul, I've been killing your church. How can you use me? Tamar, I was deceitful. How could I be in the royal line? Rahab, dubious occupation. How could you use me? Rahab, I did that, didn't I? Yeah. Ruth, pretty good, but she's a Gentile. How could you use me? Bathsheba, (laughs) we haven't got time to go through the list. How could you use me to be in the royal lineage of our Saviour? There's many others, many others faithfully serving God, called by God and doing what he wants them to do to fulfil his plans. You know, I preached a message, I think it was last year, sometime about it's okay to be ordinary. Because if you're like me, you get overawed by the big people. But it's okay to be ordinary because God can use ordinary people like me. I mean, I know you're all all up there and I'm just ordinary, but I realise that this morning. You know, this guy that I was talking about, born and bred in Ipswich. Now, if anyone's got an excuse, he, all those other ones, Joseph, Gideon, Peter, Paul, Tamar, Rahab, Ruth, Bathsheba, me, born and bred in Ipswich, what hope has God got of using you? I apologise to anyone from Ipswich. <laughs> this guy, his joke is, how do you tell someone from Ipswich? The marks from the handcuffs. Most of us Australians or Queenslanders would know what Ipswich has a reputation used to be like. People from Ipswich used to say they come from Brisbane. They have a mayor called Paul Pasquale, I think, been there for some time. They now come from Ipswich. Isn't that good? Paul was at the course I did with this guy. I've met Paul. 
just thought I'd let you know that. <laughs> Paul and me are sort of miles apart. You know, I'm reading a book. I just started reading a book, Heart of a Lioness, about a lady called Irene Gleason. Who knows of Irene Gleason? There's a couple of us do. Yeah, because you're reading my book. <laughs> she had a messed up life. Came to know God. Her and her husband were drawn to Uganda. Not only Uganda, to the north of Uganda, which that was just dumb. For many years they worked hard. I've only got, they've only just started in Uganda, but I do, she's, I think she passed away a couple of years ago. But what she has done in Uganda is amazing for the orphans and the, the children who had been dragged into as uh, uh, child soldiers in that area of northern Uganda. I think, uh, I think her husband left, is that right? Yeah, so she was left a lot of that time on her own. She was, she was below ordinary to start with. And I'm, not, I'm, I'm saying that to emphasise the point. She had a messed up life before she come to know God. You know, Margaret Pashley. Who's heard of Margaret Pashley? I hope most of you have. She could have said, I'm just a girl from Gladstone. You know, Margaret Pashley, in my opinion, you know, we, we talk about people, we read about people, we read their books and the amazing things they've done. Margaret Pasley from here is up with all those people, in my opinion. She is one of the greats, what she has done in the Philippines. But she could have just said, oh, I'm only a, a girl from Gladstone, what could I do? She was an ordinary person who God took despite, as with the others, despite their insecurities, their feelings, their whatevers. See, I can look around this morning. He uses the Yans, the Nareens, the Claudes. The, what's your name again? Dave. No, I'm looking over you. Sorry, Your Highness. I, I, <laughs> Grandma. <laughs> he uses the Dell and the Brendans, the Ziggies, the Ephraims, the Shahins. Ordinary people. But I got each and every one of those that I picked out have something wrong with them. <laughs> and so do the rest of you who are laughing. <laughs> do you agree? None of us are perfect. We've, yes, Elwyn, oh, you certainly got something wrong with you. <laughs> I'm glad you put your hand up. He uses the ones who've made poor choices in life, the ones who are educationally deficient, the well-educated, the skillful, non-skillful, the ones who are doing okay in life and the ones who through circumstances, whether their own doing or at the hand of others, are in a mess. God does not show favouritisms. And in the words of Mordecai in Esther 4.14, and who knows whether you have not come to the kingdom for such a time of this. Isn't that a great passage? 
great, great couple of lines. Think about it. When they write a book about your life, it will read, despite Elwyn having such and such problem, God used him in his kingdom. Can't wait for the movie, Elwyn. That'll be good. So what do we, what do, we do? What do you do when you have something that can be holding you down? Well, we need to look to God and his word, firstly. 2 Corinthians 12, uh, 5 and 9 and 10. I will boast about a man like that, but I will not boast about myself except about my weaknesses. Ever been to a, uh, you know, a staff management training seminar? You're not going to get that one. Boast about your weaknesses. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. That is God speaking. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses. There he goes again. He won't get a job as a corporate speaker. So that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, hardships. I don't know about those persecutions and difficulties for when I am weak then I am strong Paul is boasting about his weaknesses that he would be strong in Christ 2 Corinthians 3 4 and 5 such confidence we have through Christ before God not that we are competent in ourselves to claim anything for ourselves but our competence comes from who oh it's not up there sorry Fairly easy, God, Sunday school. But our competence comes from God. Isaiah 41.10 So do not fear, for I am with you, but do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Let's get into God and take his word and apply it to our lives. 1 John 4, 4. You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them despite, fill in the blanks, Elwyn, because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. 1 John 5, 4 and 5. For everyone born of God overcomes the world despite, fill in the blank that you have in your life, this is the victory that has overcome the world despite my inferiority, feeling not as good as others, even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. That's a good start, don't you think? Using words God and applying it to our lives. Despite what we might think, God looks at us a whole lot different. Do we know that this morning? We can look at ourselves however we want to look at ourselves, but God looks at us through his son Jesus Christ every time. He sees what can be, not was. So we need to look to God and his word. Secondly, we need to surround ourselves with godly 
encouraging people who stand by us and pray with us. Ecclesiastes 4, 9 and 12. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labour. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. Hebrews 10. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who, is, who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglect, neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. We need to be encouraging one another, being together, not being out on our own. Now the wonderful thing about truth of our lives, if it's out in the open, it can't have power over you. You all know now that I have an inferiority complex. Yeah, I'm, I'm fine with that. I just feel awkward standing in front of you all. That's all. It's, no, not really. <laughs> when the devil whispers in your ear, you can't do that because you're too insecure, inferior, incompetent, whatever your feeling is. Just smile back and quietly tell him, yes, I know. And so do my friends. So do my family. And most importantly, so does my God. Imagine. Imagine changing the world to a better place. And if you watch the news, we certainly could do a little bit of that. Imagine changing the world into a better place, changing our community, our homes, our families, us, me, you. Steve Gray sings a song and there's a line, and something like, I couldn't find it, but this is something what the line is like. If we're going to change the world, it's got to start with you and me. So let's start it today. A community that doesn't judge others, acknowledges their problems, supports each other and looks to God for our strength in all things. Let's not allow our past, which determines our insecurities, to stop us being used of God. I'll just finish with a short, quick story that we may have heard before. I think we have the music team, if they'd like to come forward, that'd be good, thanks. Two men. One is the town drunk and the other is the Lord Mayor. Both of them are interviewed. And both of them make the comment that I'm here because of my father. The town drunk said, I'm here because my father was an alcoholic, a violent drunk, treated us like rubbish. That's why I'm like I am. 
The Lord Mayor also said, I'm here because of my father. My father was an alcoholic, a violent drunk, treated us like dirt. But I decided I wasn't going to stay there. That's why I'm who I am today. You may have guessed it. They were brothers. They made choices. One kept looking at his insecurities or his things that could have could hold him back. The other one decided, I'm not going to let that hold me back. I'm going to go forward. We were told yesterday about a young person we know who's made a wrong choice. Sadly, in, this, in, commun- in the, our community, greater community, it's probably not a wrong choice, but it's a wrong choice that messes up your life as a young person. And there's a cycle in a life. You can see it. And it's just going to keep going on. If that person allows that to hold her. But I know in God that cycle can be broken. That can stop with that person today. That can stop with you today. If there's a cycle in your life or a cycle in your family, today you can make the decision and be available for God to use you. Let's just take a moment. Look at the screen. Don't look at me. God cannot, can use me despite my fill in the gap. Have a quick think this morning. I didn't finish high school. I completed basic training in the army. I'm not sure how high that goes with anybody. I was a truck driver most of my life. I've no education certificates up on my wall. I have a picture of a football team and my family. I probably should have put that the other way around, shouldn't I? Yeah. I have a picture of my the picture of my family is the picture of the football team is that big in that sense of educational in skills all that I don't make the grade I feel awkward around people who are more qualified more uh, you know as I say I go to a conference I'm uncomfortable for three or four days or however long it goes for. I could still be driving a truck. But God had other plans. I'm not overseeing 
five churches that have 100,000 people in each one. And I don't think I ever will. I sure as heck don't want to. Um, you know, we, we could name the things that are churches around the, Australia, around the world are doing or whatever, and I'm not doing them. But for some strange reason, best known to my dad in heaven, he said, I want you to be James's assistant. And thankfully, James agreed. That was a good thing. <laughs> what can God do for you? If we, I've still got those insecurities and things. They haven't gone away. I haven't had them cast out or anything. But I don't let them stop God from working in my life and me being a part of his plan. Do I say that to boast this morning? No. Boasting about having an inferior complex and being uh, not trained or anything? What did Paul do? Thank you, Lord, for just giving me that thought. What did Paul do? He boasted in his weaknesses because when I am weak, God is strong. Amen. God can use me despite my fill in the blanks. Let's stand. Oh, hallelujah. Heavenly Father, we, well, I know I am, and I'm sure we all are. We're just, just in awe of you. Lord, you can, you've spoken in a, in a universe that is ever-expanding. It hasn't finished growing yet. The stars, the planets, the, all the stuff is just so amazing. And you just spoke that and it happened. And Father, you've, you look out through that vast universe. And you see us. You see each and every one of us here this morning. You've created us in our mother's womb. You designed us. You fitted us together. And we've come into this world of sin and many of us have been mucked up, messed up, made wrong decisions. But so have all those people in your word. And yet I thank you, Father, that you still use them. Boy, your royal lineage for your son. I wouldn't have chose it. Father, I pray for each and every one of us here this morning. Whatever that gap is in that sentence, I thank you that you just want to use us so much whether it's to do great things or whether it's just to help the neighbour. There's not one of us is not a part of your plan and purpose. And I thank you, Father, we can walk away this morning in that. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, team.